CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Very good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And while you are at your computer, like us on Facebook. Search for CIO Talk Radio and make sure to join our conversation on Twitter in hashtag CTR Live and at CIO Talk Radio. And look for this using your hashtag eDiscovery. Now, today's topic is e-discovery, cost, risks, and remedy. And our guest for today's show is Karen Hendrickson, who is the Chief Litigation Support Officer with Hogan Lowells. Good morning, Karen. How are you? Good. I'm fine. Thank you. So I just uh, was talking to you before we started that uh, you are a brave soldier who is working in spite of all the damages that Sandy caused. Yes. So how are things going? <laughs> um, they're going just fine. We're out of our house for a little while, but uh, otherwise things are, you know, everybody's safe. Now, now, what is this uh, causing in terms of uh, the type of uh, changes in the way do you do business? Sandy? Yeah. Um, well, it, it hasn't a whole lot um, because not much uh, transpired in New York City proper. Um, we did have to make arrangements to have people work from home. We did have to do a lot of telephone rerouting um, and uh, do some tweaking on our Citrix lines because they were getting overloaded with so many people out of the office. All right. So, of course, you know, things will get better. And I, I know that even when uh, these these natural phenomena like Sandy don't occur, we still have a bunch of turbulence happens in our daily lives. And that's why, to some extent, uh, this, this topic is very relevant because that's what's happening in the world. It's becoming increasingly complex. And we are finding that we have to safeguard our organizations on a regular basis from the legal uh, risks and, of course, corresponding costs. So the first First question that I'd have for you is what are those top issues that the general counsel's office sees and or faces or experiences which are really keeping them up at night and are these primarily uh, perceptions or reality and if they are a reality are they self-inflicted or there are primarily external factors that are causing it? Well, I would say that there are some that are real, and um, uh, I would say most of them are real. Some of them are self-inflicted. Uh, the biggest issue that I see working with clients is their retention policy and their technology issues, how to effectively position themselves for e-discovery readiness. And it, often they have subsidiaries and, uh, that have very different infrastructures, so it's very inconsistent. So whenever there is a document collection that needs to happen, it can it really can involve many different approaches and can be very disruptive to their work to to their work cycle. So so is it just about the document collection which keeps it up at night, or is there a process issue which is making them not as uh, mature in the way when? the legal risk does present itself, that's when they say maybe we are not prepared. 
I, I think that there always are issues of how much do you invest to get yourself in a position so that if you do have litigation, you're ready. Um, with everybody scaling down to try to in, install an e-discovery readiness tool across multiple offices, locations, and have an effective retention policy is extremely complex and costly. And I think that often they, there's a lot of lack of understanding, and so sometimes the funds are not available to do it properly. We often see uh, clients that have purchase one of these e-discovery-ready pieces of software, but they don't have the staff to install them. And so they, it, it winds up being just as if they had not done it at all. So you really do need to do a comprehensive analysis with a consultant and have somebody come in and set, and set these systems up. And you, you need to have a lot of time for testing, and you need to have somebody on premises who knows how they operate. Now, you, you did mention about cost and or the budgets available. So while we have money perhaps allocated for any such legal issues that might come up, and we are even investing in the in the software portion, so where do we fall short in terms of the right investment, which is causing these issues in your view? I would say in in, in the hardware infrastructure and in staff. I think that people across the board are trying to operate on a very lean staff, and they have people who have been doing one approach, and they may be perfectly wonderful internal IT people, but they don't understand the nuances of the legal aspects of discovery. And so they're just not equipped to really set these things up and maintain them and and test them appropriately from a legal perspective. So you really do need somebody who has e-discovery knowledge and an understanding of the litigation lifecycle. Now, is this a catch-22 for general counsel's office that damn if I really bring everything in-house or damn if I don't because cost in either case is going to be uh, really uh, creating a headache for me? What what is where are they saying which is a better poison to take? Um, I'm seeing more and more firms bring these tools in house, and the reason is when you have litigation, you can often have multiple issues going on at the same time. So you could have people on site collecting laptop um, data. Uh, really taxing the IT teams to export email and home drive files. And you can have people on the premises a lot that really just interferes with the work cycle. Also, if you don't have your retention strategy set up in, in an effective way, your systems are constantly overloaded. And somebody needs to really look at this and uh, look at these issues of volume and put them into a system that might, for instance, deduplicate on the way in. Something so that you're already, you've already sifted through a lot of these processes. That will serve you well when you do your export um, for processing by your law firm because you, you could have already minimized your volume by 70%. Now, when you speak about cost, the cost could not necessarily only because the documents are not stored properly and or uh, we do not have the right tools to search them. Are there any peripheral costs which might be latent costs, but they are the ones which may be causing the true leakage? 
Um, I'm not sure I understand exactly what you're asking. Uh, do, do you mean costs of, of the litigation itself? Um, I mean, let's see, the, the, the reason I, I ask this question, because we immediately say that, okay, e-discovery has a cost or, or the very litigation process has a cost. So there are costs regardless. Which one is causing the most headache? Because we say cost and risks and we want to balance the two. But where is the cost really coming from? What, what is, which is, for what area are you signing the biggest checks for? I would say that the, the biggest checks are signed uh, at the time of document review and by staff attorneys and associates at the law firms. And the only way to effectively get those volumes down is to have an appropriate way to minimize your documents as they exist within the company. Again, perhaps deduplicating things on the way in, having them indexed properly so that you can search documents with a better relevancy hit. And then when you go through the process, you're already minimizing the volume that starts. Because if you just throw everything in the kitchen sink in, every step of the way that undue volume is going to follow you and haunt you and cost you a lot of money between running key term searches, between processing it, between hosting that data in a database and paying people for months to go through documents, many of which will be highly irrelevant and du- duplicative on some level. Now, hindsight is twenty twenty for most of us, and there are organizations who may have faced a litigation and that's when we went they went through this e-discovery process and they found that the very origination of the data or the way it was cataloged or coded wasn't appropriate and that's why when we did come to this juncture where we have to perform e-discovery, it was coming out to be cost prohibitive. So the general counsel's office, some of them who have faced it is great, but others people are listening to horror stories from other organizations or their counterparts. Are What are they doing to tell people within the organization and or to their IT team to make sure that if at all in the event they do have to go through this, uh, you know, wrong or a bad type of an event or, or a litigation for that matter, they do not have to bury themselves with documents which they cannot figure out what to do with them. Uh, I think that they are, that most firms that we deal with or most companies that we deal with are tasking their IT teams to come up with an approach to house the data in a way that you you can target your documents more easily, um, that they're tied more to the individual business unit. Um, often, and this we see this a lot in pharmaceutical companies and science companies, they have huge networks with just servers with unstructured data. And that's really the biggest problem. So I think most, most in-house teams are, are asking that their IT come up with a more formalized structure and uh, set parameters around how people can store data, where they can store data. For instance, a lot of firms prohibit any storage of anything on local hard drives. You're not allowed to write to your C drive, or you're not allowed to attach to your USB port. They block those. That way it minimizes all the duplicates. Say if somebody makes a backup of their Outlook every week, and then you have 50 PSTs, only with a 10% differential, you still have to process all of those files. And, that the, and those costs add up quite a bit. 
Now, do you think IT would, of course, want to listen to what uh, the general counsel's office says and does try to implement, but there is always something or the other happening at the very business user level, which may cause you a heartburn later on, because then that's where you find where the problems are. So do you think IT and uh, legal uh, organizations within a corporations are really able to work together and finally get to that effective uh, ideal state, if you will? I think it's difficult. Uh, one of the issues that I see is that they take, you know, two IT guys and who have never done this before and tell them to do this uh, project without really understanding the scope without allowing them the appropriate budget or the appropriate training in order to get this up to in order to get themselves up to speed. Um, I also think that there's not enough interviewing of the end users and what does it mean when their inbox is restricted to a certain volume? What does it mean that they have to put out a uh, assign a profile to every document that they put into the system? If you make a structured Outlook file site template, how often does that, you know, how many people does that work for and how many people are miserably frustrated all day with how that looks because the IT people get those calls. All right, so let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back, and then look at we, we look at the cost. And this word "cost" is, of course, everybody gets uh, concerned about. But is it only about the cost, or we are actually able to, uh, or we are essentially in, in the pursuit, overzealous pursuit of reducing the cost? We are unknowingly creating more risk for the organization and in in whether it is a cost or the risk when we're talking about uh, legal department as well as the IT department who should be holding the bag who should be accountable to looking at both of these areas and make a decision please stay tuned listeners we'll be right back and explore When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So in the first segment, we spoke about cost, and that is what has been giving people the the headache or a perceived headache. But then what about the risk aspect of it? Do you think we could just be trying to squeeze the penny and in that process increase risk, which could have its own uh, direct and indirect costs? Karen? Yes, I think that um, if 
I do think that you need to be careful that you look at, you know, what the legalities are as far as really trying to trim your volume. Um, you need to stay on top of industry trends, and you need to make sure that you're not deleting items or uh, going into system changes without appropriate documentation. That, for instance, I've seen for uh, I've seen companies that migrate all of their email, um, but they, they just do it pro, pr- prospectively. So even though there could be an ongoing litigation, you have gotten rid of all of your evidence, and you could get yourself in a lot of hot water from a spoliation perspective. And I, I do think that there isn't enough understanding of what those rules are and what the commonalities are of how this work is done, and th- that you really need somebody with an e-discovery background to talk to the general counsel. And I think that's where the law firms have a a niche market that is going to continue to grow. Now, uh, Karen, you must have observed uh, the IT department at a corporation and or the general counsel talking to each other. What's the conversation like? Who is telling uh, who what to do? The law firms are generally doing the con- consulting for the for the company GC. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then wh- how is the conversation going between the IT and uh, the general counsel's office with respect to a discovery? Um, I-, I think there's more open dialogue, but I still see instances of you know the the, the IT's just given their marching orders without an understanding of the complexities, without doing appropriate interview interviews of the user base and without allocating an appropriate budget or getting somebody on board to guide the IT through the installation. Uh, I, I, you know, because I work a lot in litigation support, um, I, I'm, I'm kind of quasi-IT, and I, often I'm quite stunned at how little the IT teams really understand what we do. They kind of know what we do. But they, their world is very different, and a, a lot of the rules that are set up by the IT teams stymie the e-discovery people and the e-discovery goals. And um, I, I think that there's just not enough joint communication. It's more, I need this, go get this done, and not allowing for a full-blown discussion. And if there are gaps, and as you mentioned, like they may not understand it and they are just given marching orders and things are done with the best of ability and knowledge that IT people and the leadership would possess. But when it comes uh, to a situation where you have litigation and you are looking at what kind of documentation and checks and balances were put in place and they were not in place to the degree that you expected, who holds the bag? Who gets fired and or gets their hand slapped? Well, um, I, I would say it would fall more on the general counsel's office. Um, often, IT is not, when they're doing a migration or a system upgrade, they're not necessarily focused on impending litigation. They're just told that their, you know, their systems are about to crash or they need to, they have other user bases that are like, the system's outdated, you're, you know, you're not doing your job, you need to get this stuff fixed up and up to date, we're behind the times. Um, and they're not necessarily focused on that. So I would say that it, it, they 
every general counsel's office needs to have somebody in-house that understands this. They need to have an e-discovery director who can work with IT and start to outline some of the pitfalls when they're doing upgrades and migrations of systems. Now, you mentioned that there should be somebody on the legal side. Now, are they the type of – would they be your your counterpart, like you are uh, litigation support lead for a law firm? Similarly, would you have a person with your type of background in a corporation working in general counsel's office, directing and or working with IT to make things happen? Ideally, yes. And when you use the word ideally, that's that's a qualifier. So is that not done so? I don't see it always, but I, I'm seeing more of it. Okay, would, and so I that, would yeah. say that sometimes I see companies take somebody from the inside and designate them the e-discovery person, and and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. They you often need to recruit from the outside and find somebody who has a, a, an in-depth knowledge of these areas and have them work with the attorneys so that they can relay the importance of the e-discovery rules and, and why they need to do these things and to advise the general counsel on why they need different budgets and to work with IT on timelines and approaches and documentation. So I, I, I see more people in that role within corporations, but I wouldn't say it's universal. Now, when we do look at uh, e-discovery process, and there is a tendency for it to always be compared whether it is better done in-house or outsourced, and somehow the very basic premise of these conversations that are happening all over is that people say the law firms end up charging a lot more or there is a lot more cost involved when we were to get e-discovery done at a law firm versus doing in-house. Is there a reason why that cost is high just because you have the right type of eyeballs from the get-go who are looking at it? Or are there inefficiencies at a law firm level? Or there is actually that much work involved, but people just simply don't get it, that even if they were to do it in-house, it will be comparable too in terms of costs? I think that it it takes so many people and such a dedicated infrastructure and support team to be able to bring these processes in-house. It, 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 I personally don't necessarily think it makes sense. If you have a vendor whose sole job is to process e-discovery, they often will take them five years to get an installation of something like irrelativity and to really work with it and, and integrate and a front-end interface tool and make it so that it's quick and that it, all the kinks have been worked out of it and that they can support it and they have enough people on site who can guide the, either the clients or the law firms through this process. Even as there's, this debate happens also within law firms, whether we should be doing processing in-house, it's generally, from my perspective, not that cost-effective. Certainly, we have capabilities in-house. We have uh, the, the ability to process data. Um, we have several robust tools like law to, to, to process data. But I don't think that it, I don't think law firms necessarily are, are doing the best thing if they want to turn themselves into a processing shop. I think now, it, it, takes, it takes too much of a headcount, it takes too much of an investment, and the technology changes so quickly that often by the time you get, you, by the time you get up and running, you're already obsolete. If you were to stand outside of your current role that is representing a law firm and become an unbiased independent consultant, 
and you were invited by a corporation to 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 say, uh, you know, I need help with e-discovery costs and risks. What would you do to say, help me help you by getting some things done at the corporation's level and not send a whole lock, stock, and barrel to the law firm so that only the right pieces are sent to the law firm for the right quality of processing so you get best of both worlds and in that process perhaps bring some efficiency, some uh, reduced cost as well as reduced risks? I would, again, look at an, an e-discovery readiness tool um, that would allow you to index your data as it is created, um, set up parameters to limit what individual users can do and store locally, and make sure that there's somebody in charge of working with the, with the outside counsel to review statements of work, look at what vendors they're using, look at pricing, um, and also to, uh, to, to, to make sure that things are tracked internally. The biggest piece of all of this is to get appropriate documentation outlining why you did what you did. Uh, I worked for a major pharmaceutical company at my last firm, and we collected some of those people's hard drives over and over and over again. And, and it was just a waste of time. It got processed many times, and it was very difficult for them to track when they gave us person X's hard drive. And, you know, and, and often by the time you collected it the next time, it was not the same drive. So there needs to be a way to keep these. A lot of big companies keep retained drives in-house already for some of their key players so that you can just give it out to the different law firms for the different litigation that that person happens to be involved with. Now, we spoke about some inefficiencies or some areas where a corporation could could uh, reduce the overall footprint of the type of documents and data that they need to be presenting to the law firm. Now, once the data does reach the, the law firm, are there any issues with that side of the house which could otherwise be causing some cost escalations and risk increase, uh, which many people complain about? I'm sorry, could, I, I, could you repeat that again? Yeah, so the law firm. So you got received the data. There were some issues at the corporation level. Now the data and documents that you asked for as a law firm to perform the e-discovery processing reaches the law firm and your own crew is working. I'm not saying particularly your, your organization, but any law firm. Are there specific areas or gotchas or, or pitfalls that a law firm has to watch for, which could be unknowingly uh, increasing the cost as well as risk for their customers? Okay. Um, I think that people need to spend a good deal of time analyzing the data, what they're really looking for, determining key terms in advance, and coming to a, I mean, really people should be agreeing on these. The meet and confer gets a, a, is not used as effectively as I think it could be. Everybody saves a lot of money if you can agree on key terms in advance. If you're going to guess at your key terms, you, you could wind up having to do all of these machinations where you do one run and then it turns out that's wrong and the judge makes you search for this, but you need to see what you've already reviewed, but it could be in the same document. It just is a lot of wheel spinning. If you can get that agreement up front, I think you save a lot. Everybody should be looking at two-tier uh 
processing from my point of view so that you're running key terms and that you're deduplicating from the onset. Another area that I think that the that people don't see from the vendors that I work very hard to make sure I never see on a bill is paying for inflated volumes due to the, the nature of PSTs. When vendors blow these PSTs out in order to run the search terms, their volumes can increase two to three times what the original source is. But then it immediately drops because they sift out all of the duplicates. I don't think that the client or the law firm should pay for that inflated volume. And I think it also throws the budgets out the window. And many of these vendors who do this give very, very inexpensive baiting-type pricing for this, and you wind up still paying more than you would have if you'd gone to a more reputable vendor. So it's the vendor selection and your whole ecosystem may be at a corporate level and or uh, at, at the law firm level, whatever, whatever type of solution providers and vendors that you choose is going to become crucial to how well you deliver on the e-discovery process. Am I correct? Yes. yes. All right. So let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, when we come back, let's look at what if we did everything uh, we were supposed to do, maybe at a corporation's level within the general counsel's office or at a law firm. And then the final resulting evidence that is presented is uh, inadmissible. What then? What do you think could be happening there because of which we had these type of instances go high in number and frequency? Who's responsible for preventing such an outcome and also should be uh, bearing the related cost? Let's explore that when we come back. Stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So despite bills having been paid and the resulting evidence may be inadmissible, what do you do then? Could such a result be recognized before the cost got so high or out of hand? Who's responsible for preventing such an outcome and bears the cost? And where could things be going wrong for something like this to happen? So Karen, where, where, why is this happening? Uh, I've never seen that happen. To be honest, um, to you know, to to the kind of degree, I think that 
the cases morph over time, um, and that's why we generally collect a little more broadly than we think we might need to. I would say if, if you were to ever come to that kind of a situation, it would certainly be both the general counsel and the law firm's responsibility um, to know what, what types of documents that they're going to be able to use in their case and that they should be in sync and having conversations about, you know, what types of documents are going to be that, or the courts are going to allow. I mean, that's definitely a lawyer question. Now, do you think when you mentioned that you've not seen this happen, so this is like few and far between type of instances and it should have no bearing on how uh, the the corporate uh, counsel, general counsel's office processes the very source data and how law firms process the evidence eventually churn out the rev- evidence with, without any fear that this is truly being admissible or the percentage is way too low for you to really lose your sleep over it. I, I have not seen that be a big issue. Which is a good thing to know that all your money was not was not sent down the drain. So no, totally understand. Now, when you when you do talk about uh, this this whole process, and you did mention about people using software or or, or technologies or solutions, what's the landscape looking right like right now? What type of solutions are best for? handling this whole e-discovery process may it be at the uh, corporate's uh, level and or at the law firm's level? Um, I, th- I think that there is a big uh, move towards this computer-assisted coding, and that is because the largest part of your expense is in the attorney review of these documents. Even if you use outside agencies for a fraction of what an associate bills, uh, the, these costs can go up into the millions quite easily. So uh, I, what, what I see people wanting to do is to refine how they use their key terms and use some of these c- computer-assisted coding functions to train the document sets um, and the reviewers so that they can really start to automate a little bit the the, the basic relevancy calls. You're always going to have privilege issues and things of that nature that you're going to need hands-on, but the linear review is not necessarily going to be what I think people do in the future. Do you think this is not truly a magic bullet where you just have a software go through everything and have uh, an attorney come at the last moment, just take a cursory look and be done with the discovery process? No, I think you need to have the attorneys at the front end, and I think that's one of the the misnomers of computer-assisted coding. You need to do the work on the front end. You need to establish what your issues are and what kinds of documents you are interested in and train the system on the front end. What type of solutions, technology solutions, would you truly, at this stage of evolution, wherever they are, which are promising some, um, you know, prom- they're, they're promising some success or a good aid to the discovery process. Which ones would you keep in your arsenal? Well, the the probably one of the least aggressive is the relativity analytics. Um, I think I see a lot of people using those because you can take advantage of some automated. Uh, computer-assisted coding of documents, but you're not just funneling something through with a set of rules and having something spit out the other end. Um, this way, you, you, you can, some depending upon the sensitivity of the case, some people might want to lay 
eyeballs on a majority of the documents. Um, and you certainly want to identify which ones you're going to produce now and keep the other ones at bay. And here, you know, if, if they're said, if, if you determine that there's 90, 97% chance that they're irrelevant, you can always put them to the side without risking, um, withholding your documents. You know, you can do things in a very smart, methodical way that doesn't put you up for any kind of a sanction or, or, or um, accusation of, of withholding documents. It's just critical that you that you do have appropriate documentation and that you do have a more senior person on your team do the initial training of these systems. I think often they have the lowest level person on the case team do these, and it do, it's not effective. You need to have somebody who really knows the issues of the case spend a little upfront time training these document tools. Now, we did have a LinkedIn conversation uh, a couple of days back where people were suggesting different solutions, and we were talking about that DIY, you know, the do-it-yourself. We take pride in doing things ourselves many a times, but to what degree would you recommend DIY uh, to a general counsel's office? Um. I, think, I know this might be this might cannibalize into your revenue stream, but still, from a, from an outsider, since you also represented a pharma organization in a similar capacity, so would you have brought eDiscovery in house and or selectively uh, done it in house? I think that it's a good idea to have, like I said before, to have a, an eDiscovery consultant director of some kind in house. Um, I think that for small cases, it might make sense to have some limited processing tools, um, like a an eScanit or a law processing system, so that you can get things down and dirty into something like a concordance or summation, or some people are even doing that in relativity in house, um, so that you you know for cases that you're not quite sure where they're going to go, so that you're not spending a ton of money on something that might fizzle. I think that, that there is a place for that. You just have to, you, you generally are not successful if you're going to put that on the backs of the people who are already there just because you don't want to increase your headcount and tell them now they have to learn this new skill. Um, sometimes that works if you have somebody who's highly motivated and, interest, and, and interested, but often you just have somebody who becomes honestly more of an impediment to getting things done from the law firm perspective. Now, the type of people you mentioned that you should have an e-discovery director, just getting one person who understands both sides of the coin, which is the technology as well as the law, is that just about enough? Or there are some other uh, upfront readiness checks and or readiness measures that we should put in place before someone even contemplates bringing uh, the whole e-discovery process in-house or even selectively? I do think that people need to look at tools such as eVault. Um, there's a lot of these vaulting tools that can be installed for both the emails and non-email type documents and um, have, have a setup in advance so that you can get to your documents when you need them. I think that is, is something that's very important and that also um, doesn't result in a fire drill for your IT team every time you have to do a collection. And it also allows them to understand a little bit more what you're trying to do. Sometimes I'll get stuff searched without any conversation. I'll have 
things searched in Outlook that are not really valid searches. They have not given me what I need um, just because they're so busy or, you know, or they roll key terms and give me one giant PST not broken down by custodian because nobody's bothered to communicate with the IT team exactly what we need. So you did mention about, uh, you know, putting a tool or two. What about the very process? Would you do the same old, same old approach uh, to to handling any kind of litigations or related processing? Or if you are thinking to prepare uh, your organization for doing a DIY e-discovery, what process changes would you make? Um. I think that there's only so much that you're going to be able to do yourself. So, uh, no, I wouldn't really change too much. You would have perhaps a couple of seats of law, um, you know, or e-scan it or some, some kind of a tool, and so that you can do uh, a limited number of files in-house if need be. Um, I don't necessarily see the benefit of setting up this full processing shop in-house. I just don't think that you get the kinds of efficiencies that you get when you have to have all of those labor costs when you could just pay somebody. If the, the prices have gotten so low, you could pay somebody, you know, $300 to, at a gig to process everything, including key term searches, and it, it doesn't necessarily make sense to bring that in-house. And if you were to do the math in where we either try DIY or compared to do only incremental or selective uh, processes brought, uh, brought in-house and rest is sent to the law firm, have, has anybody done any research in that regard to say, what's the, the, the net profit in or a net savings you could get by things at least to some degree in-house versus giving lock, stock and barrel to an outside agency like a law firm? I have not seen those studies. I do know that there are um, firms that say that they do all that all of that in house and that they charge by the gigabyte as a vendor does i i I'm, I think there's so many exceptions to every rule in those instances for people who don't want to be billed uh, for for that time by their law firm or in house I think that it I think it can create a conflict of interest as well in some areas, and I do think that there is always the issue of an arm's-length transaction between your processing and your production set um, that, is, that should be maintained for the safety of the corporation. All right, let's take a quick break. Listeners, we'll be right back. And let's look at this whole e-discovery process, whether you do it in-house and or start working with organization outside or within a corporation, legal working with IT. This is a change management issue. People have not traditionally worked as closely, but now they are required to, and it doesn't happen overnight. So what does leadership at both legal and IT side have to do to prime their staff and also align their processes so that it is is not too much of a challenge for either party and it becomes a good working relationship internally with the corporation and also then with any of the outside providers who are helping out. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. 
LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So... Here comes the change management that is required, perhaps at all three levels, the general counsel's office within a corporation, IT department within a corporation, and the legal firms that are supporting the cause with respect to e-discovery. So, Karen, what is it at the leadership level should change or must be done and must be done in order to make this a success? Because people at the, at the operational level can, can keep, keep remaining busy but that may not result in the intended outcome. What have you seen the trends and or patterns in the organizations who have really pulled this off successfully? Okay. Um, I would say I can speak from a law firm perspective uh, as as well as in-house. For instance, when I came on board here at Hogan Lovells, we brought, we created this practice support group and we, we, there was a lot of support from key managing partners to say, we have these issues, we want to have oversight, we're going to invest this kind of staff, we're going to invest this kind of money in, in infrastructure and have somebody whose job it is on a senior level to support these initiatives and try to push them through the firm so that people are all doing things consistently and that everybody has an opportunity to understand why we're doing what we're doing. The same thing should happen in-house. I really think that the attorneys like to do their own thing. That's just kind of the nature of how they are. And they often think that a lot of what e-discovery entails is more of an impediment than a help. And you need somebody who's got a, a good personality, who's got a good interest in this, who can go out and sell this to the attorneys so that they understand why and that they get interested in it and they also feel risk-averse enough to not want to short-shrift the processes. And you need to have people at very high levels who actually believe in this um, who are willing to spend some time having side conversations with people who who don't see the relevance of this. I mean, people like like me in the e-discovery world, you frequently get comments from senior counsel going, I know nothing about that, don't care about it, never going to do it. Um, that takes a lot of marketing and patience to try to get through to those people so that you can, as a firm, have a projection of how you handle technology on behalf of your clients in a comprehensive way. Now, this is 
not very, very old phenomena. While we had been doing discovery process, but e-discovery is uh, relatively new. You cannot truly find as many leaders who would have prior experience doing it. But what would be the type of traits you would look for at all those different ends so that the end result is desirable? If you were to bring people on board as leaders. I think that you need somebody who's interested in technology you need somebody who understands the connection between the marketing of of your firm and of your company um, and, and how it ties to being up to date with technology. I think it's no longer considered hip or okay to have no knowledge of what's going on. Um, it, it, attorneys are required to understand this, and, and the rules have been quite clear that lack of knowledge of how these processes work is not an excuse for not following appropriate industry standard procedures. So I want somebody who knows technology, understands the risks, um, knows how to let people who do this, like me and people under my team, do it, um, enact best practices, and give them the support with an appropriate staff that they need to get this done. And um, and kind of do roadshows and internal training to let people know why this whole industry exists and why it's really important as a firm to pay attention to it. Now, truly, is this Wild Wild West or are there any standards and benchmarks that have already been established which someone can look up to? Because there are people who want to do this. They're on the fence, but they don't know how. Uh, so, so has something been developed or is, is something in progress, which is one version of the truth on how you go about in a best possible manner, handle e-discovery processes, whether in-house DIY or outsourced? I think there are developing standards. There, there still isn't enough of a playbook for my taste, um, but we're starting to get there. I think you have um, Sedona conference, you have a lot of think tanks. Um, there's an organization that came up, um, trying to, a, AECDS, that now has a, a testing mechanism for e-discovery people to kind of look at what the basics are. Um, I think that there, there are, there are best practices that are at play. Um, and there are, there are books when you look at the rules of e of, of the rules of civil litigation, they're vague, but they do give you some pretty solid outlines. And I do think there are developing standards that are acceptable and some that clearly are not. And I, it's not quite the Wild West. It's not quite, you know, firmly established yet either. I think it's still a little bit in the middle. When it comes to the policies and compliance mandates, is government really helping? Are the policymakers really helping uh, making this a realistic, doable initiative, or is it only causing us more heartaches and more, more sleepless nights? I think that the government agencies um, have too many variables. From my experience, um, you have the, you know, the DOJ does things one way, the SEC does things another way, between, at the SEC, between different agents you'll have different requirements on how people want to receive data and different levels of knowledge. I think there's still a ways to go to standardize that. I think that that clients and law firms both feel frustrated that 
even though you'll have a production standard that the DOJ will issue, that there's still a lot of wiggle room and a lot of openness that makes people feel that they're not always 100% sure that they're in compliance. And I do think that these agencies need to, and the courts need to, be a little more specific going forward. So overall, what do you think can these all different entities, maybe the stakeholders, general counsels, legal firms, technology solution providers, as well as policymakers, can do together or in their respective roles to make this e-discovery a more manageable and cost-effective process, and it also helps reduce the risks or safeguard, you know, controlling risks? I think if, and this may be counterintuitive to how attorneys want to approach things, I think if we can this jointly within a litigation establish some ground rules, um, you, you don't have to fight over the e-discovery and everybody can lessen their burden. Often it's a money game, so people are fighting and putting undue demands on and just as a way to kind of get the other side to back down. And I know that's part of the law, so I don't want to tread into what case strategy is. But sometimes I see costs escalate in a way that is just not necessary based on um, just a lack of understanding and a lack of wanting to sit down and go, in this particular case, the discovery is not going to make or break the case. Let's minimize costs on all ends. Let's try to do this together and co- cooperate. Sometimes the, the area of discovery and what, you know, what's happening is going to be critical to the case, and then that's going to be something that you're going to want to use as part of your case strategy. But I think there's at least half the time where people could come together agree to minimize, focus their discovery demands and be a little more reasonable so that both sides can gain. On behalf of our show and the listeners, I'd like to thank you so much, Karen, for sharing your thoughts about e-discovery and its related costs and risks and what remedies can be utilized to make it a more manageable process. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much again. And listeners, please uh, join our conversations on LinkedIn. Uh, Like us on Facebook if you enjoyed this conversation and also follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio was brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation 